This is the Everyday AI Show, the everyday podcast where we simplify AI and bring its power to your fingertips. Listen daily for practical advice to boost your career, business, and everyday life. How can we make design more accessible for everyone? And what does that even mean for generative AI? Well, it means actually a lot more than you might think. And I'm very excited to have an everyday AI regular and fantastic contributor on the show to help walk us through and help us better understand what it means to have more user-friendly design in generative AI. I can't wait to talk about it. Welcome. My name's Jordan Wilson. This is Everyday AI. It's a daily live stream podcast and free daily newsletter. Are y'all not reading the free daily newsletter? You got to start doing that. But we're here to help you better learn and better leverage generative AI because whether you know it or not, we're all going to need it. We're all going to need it. If you're not already using generative AI in your role, it's only a matter of time, probably. Uh, but before we talk uh, design, UI, UX, making design more accessible, I can't wait. Get your questions in. What do you want to know uh, about design's role um, in generative AI and, and how it can be more accessible? Get your comments in now. I can't wait. But first, as always, let's start off with what's going on in the world of AI news. Here we go. Let's talk about it. This one's this one's interesting, y'all, because there could be a new chip maker in town. All right. We're not talking potato chips. Obviously, we're talking uh, the chips, the GPUs that power generative AI. So according to new reports, very new reports, less than a couple minutes old, uh, OpenAI is actually exploring the possibility of creating its own chips to be used for generative AI and has already been considering acquisition targets to do so. Um, so, you know, according to this new report, OpenAI has considered different paths to the point where it has performed already due diligence on potential acquisition targets. This is extremely interesting because right now uh, we've already seen, especially here in the U.S., um, generative AI is really actually powering our economy. But we all need these powerful GPU chips that power uh, all of these different systems, these large language models like ChatGPT, Google Bard, uh, but we're running short on chips. So keep an eye on that to see if OpenAI is going to be a player in that space. Next, Dolly 3 released inside of ChatGPT. Uh, well, not for everyone, but for many users already who are on the ChatGPT Plus plan, $20 a month. Open it up. Go go refresh your browser. Look, you might have uh, Dolly 3 like I did uh, in your um, in your modes. So go in, go to ChatGPT, check your modes, see if Dolly 3 is there. Pretty pretty big news. So uh, Dolly 2, uh, OpenAI's previous model, has been out for a very long time. And as other uh, AI generating uh, image companies, you know, you know such as uh, Stable Diffusion, and uh, mid-journey make great improvements. A lot of people were saying, all right, well, hey, this Dolly 2 thing, not so good anymore. But Dolly 3, at least inside ChatGPT, just released, uh, just started getting rolled out yesterday. So uh, exciting news to see what happens there. And last but not least, and speaking of AI images, uh, one thing a lot of the big companies have been talking about is creating AI watermarks. But a new study from some U.S. universities says those AI watermarks probably aren't even going to work. Uh, so this new study said it is not possible to create, in quotes, reliable watermarks for AI content. Uh, so uh, multiple American universities 
um, have found that it's actually pretty easy for users to remove or break the watermarks that are supposed to be labeling this generative AI material. All right, that was a mouthful. That was a lot. That was a lot. Uh, but I'm excited, y'all, to talk AI design. Uh, it's it's actually so important. You, you know, there's a big difference between when you go to experience a new generative AI tool and it's disastrous versus when it just feels like it just works, like it gets you. That is what uh, UI, UX, and accessible design is all about. And I'm excited to bring on our guests for today. So please help me welcome to the show. We have Yadi Arroyo, who is the principal ViewE designer at Truist. Yadi, thank you for joining us. Hi there, guys. Thank you for having me. All right. I'm excited. I'm excited for this. But uh, Yadi, just real quick, tell us a little bit about, you know, what you even do as a, as a ViewE designer. You, you know, I even butchered it up. Like I, I thought it was VUI. So I'm, I'm not even in the know. So let everyone know what, what a ViewE designer even does. Yeah, ViewE designer is usually uh, part of like conversational design, which is like a specific subset of AI. Now it's a, a kind of misnomer because that's what my company named me, but it's really multimodal designer, right? Mm -hmm. So designing for like multiple interfaces, which could include voice. So ViewE stands for voice user interface. So that's kind of like the acronym. But yeah, and, and basically what, what I do right now currently is different than what I've done in the past. Currently, I'm focusing on the conversation with the user and chatbots at a bank. But in the past, I've actually created generative AI, like social listening tools and other type of telematics, which is working with cars and stuff and using voice command. So I have some experience just all over from like a little bit of healthcare to a lot of telematics to a lot of like AI, you know, enterprise side. So it's not it doesn't see the, the light of day in terms of consumer side. Right. These are power tools that people on the inside use to be able to create uh, visualizations of what people are saying or what people are thinking or what people are mentioning. Yada, yada. Right. Like that was just one example. But, yeah, no, that's what I work on. You know, I got yeah. into it by accident just because I like design. You know, you know, speaking of that, um, I do think in general, uh, design is becoming more accessible to people, mm -hmm. um, to, to people of all ranges, backgrounds, and skill sets. Um, and, and maybe it has something to do with generative AI as well. But can you talk mm -hmm. a little bit about uh, accessibility in design and, and, and even um, how it's changing uh, over the years? Yeah, no. Uh, so what I like about product design is you can actually create a product that most, most, if not all people can use, right? So I'm in banking. So that's, you have to understand my mindset. Banking is very like narrow in terms of regulations and data protection and accessibility. We have to meet a certain standard because everyone deserves money. Everyone needs money. Everyone needs to pay for stuff. And it doesn't matter if you're blind. So the reason I, I do what I do is because there's people that wouldn't be able to do it otherwise, right? So if you think about voice command, that's super important. Voice, you know, being able to talk it through if you're blind, right? Like you need to be able to bank. So um, that's one example of how like, I kind of use that motivation of like, all right, banking kind of sucks. But what's cool is we have to address issues that maybe other people push to the side that they don't prioritize, right? So with accessibility now with AI, we can do so much stuff, right? I mean, Dr. Harvey, Harvey Kostro can tell us, you know, with medical stuff, right? You can use a lot of information, you can use, you know, automate it, make sure that you can kind of pick up patterns, stuff that we have to use, you know, do by hand with metrics and analytics. We can now have a machine do it for us. So like there's a lot of different applications of AI, Gen AI, and just in general product design where we can actually make humanity better. Right. So that's where I kind of come in. Like I'm always human first. 
you know, the machines are cool, but I'm human first. And if people are afraid of the takeover, I'm not so much because I, I feel that like we're already going through a rough patch and, and we're only clarifying it from now. Right. It could get worse, but I think we're all aware now of like how we can make it better. I hope I answered your question. No, you did. And and like now I have so many other questions uh, that, are, that, that are good. And I think, you know, uh, people who are joining us live and if you're listening on the podcast, um, here's here's what I think is uh, what Yaddy just just slipped in there. That is so, so important. Um, accessibility for um, for most people. I think we don't think about it. Right. And, and, mm-hmm. and we take the fact that we have you know, sight and hearing and, and touch for granted, but not everyone has that. So, you know, when we talk about how impactful uh, generative AI can be and, and, and how it, I, I, I do think it is probably the most trans, transformational technology yeah. I think I've experienced in my lifetime more so than the internet. But, you know, when we speak about multimodality, so, you know, when mm-hmm. text and images and, and voice recognition, um, Yeti, I mean, I, I mean, how do you even go about um, you know, you know, walk us through like how, how does that process even work? Because it sounds, you know, extremely difficult, but so, so important. Well, okay. So I, I'd like to kind of like put it out there. You don't have to have a PhD to do what I do. Right. I'm one of the few people that don't, I feel <laughs> a PhD helps, but the thing is I, I came up through product design and, and like, as you guys know, if, if you get in it early, then you have an advantage, right? So that was my advantage, like just like wanting to learn. So right right now, whoever is listening already has an advantage. They want to know AI. They're on top of it. They're getting the source, you know, directly from you, Jordan, and, and directly from other people who listen, right? Um, so that's important because education and curiosity is super important in our field. If you don't stay curious, if you stay kind of like mundane, you're not going to be up to trends. You're not going to be fun to work with. Um, so I would say you don't require an education, but you do require curiosity, right? So uh, that's number one. Um, and yeah, and I would say, you know, uh, Dr. Al-Mahoud uh, mentioned something about like AI breaking both language and accessibility barrier. I would also say that product design is one of the few fields that you can dem- democ- uh, democratize education mm-hmm. and like curiosity, right? Because you don't have to be a PhD. You can just do it. You can just look at products. You can have critical thinking skills. The biggest thing that's important for creation in, AI, in the AI field is basically abstract thinking. So it's the stuff that's currently not being done now. You can be a great graphic designer and be a UI person. You can be a great you know, strategist and be a UX architect. But to be a good AI person, there's two skill sets. You have to get along with people, right? And you have to be able to think, right? Yeah. Abstractly, without having to draw, you have to think in real time as people are talking solutions, algorithms, or whatever. So I would say like people that like math and also people that like people could do this. And, and those could be two different people, right? Yeah, yeah. You need those two different people to be able to create. But the biggest key is you have to be able to listen and, and, and advocate for the user, right? Because the minute you forget your user, you forget what you're designing for. So I would say if you're a product designer, you could easily parlay this into AI design. Just focus less on UI because like AI is more zero UI interface versus having an actual interface. It's the brain, right? Yeah. So if you can create the brain and figure out how to work that out, um, there's a lot of like non-design in my work. There's a lot of negotiation. There's a lot of like, <laughs> uh, not even manipulation because that's horrible, but definitely like making a case for something and using the user at the forefront. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and like everyone joining us live saying, you know, Mike saying, yes, be curious. Bronwyn mm-hmm. saying, absolutely. You know, thinking out of the box. Yep. Um, you, you know, Yaddy, it, it is very curious because, or, uh, or I'm very curious because I've seen this trend 
specifically over the last month or so, right? So with, um, you, you know, chat GPT, you know, I think people are calling it GPT four V for visual, mm. you know, with being able oh. to upload photos, um, and work directly, um, you, you know, being able to, uh, you know, upload your voice and to be able to hear back, you know, but those are all features that have been on, you know, Google Bard and, and Microsoft Bing chat for a while, but is that just the future then? Um, are we seeing the future that, that most, you know, generative AI systems are, are going to go multimodal just because maybe it's mm-hmm. better? I think so. I think you hit on something. I think there's a lot of stuff we don't see. So I don't have access to all of that. I have access to some of that. Right. And yeah, I think you're right. I think everybody's going more towards a multimodal. When you launch something huge, sometimes you just got to like, it's like that iceberg. Everything's at the bottom. Right. But you just see the tip of it. I think that's how it is right now. Like they're they're launching what they can with what the resources they have. But behind the scenes, they know like, well, we need to be able to do this and upload pictures. So if you think about multimodal, it's both multimodal input and multimodal wow. output. Right. So someone who maybe is blind or let's say. Uh, a disability, a, a hidden disability, right? Let's say yeah. cognitive. You can't look at someone and know if they're cognitively disabled or not. But you know, we need to make things so easy that anyone can use them. So that's that's another dimension of accessibility, right? Like you can have physical disabilities. You can have uh, temporal, like seasonal ones. Like I'm pregnant, I can't move, <laughs> I can't carry heavy stuff. Or you can have stuff that's hidden. Right. So when you design for stuff, you kind of like, I mean, I almost start with the outliers first. Like, can this person do this? And if they can't, how can we make it? Right. So, like, I, I think you're onto something. Multimodality, I think, is is a given. We may not just see what it looks like yet. Um, I will tell you that the way the back end of OpenAI helps other products do that is awesome. Right. Because mm-hmm. maybe OpenAI hasn't gone to it, but I've seen tools like Figma. Everybody knows Figma. They have this, uh, this plugin called Magician, and that's generative AI. It gives you utterances. It gives you all this stuff that I use in my daily basis. So I'm like, it gives you icons, it gives you images, it gives you copy, right? And, and it's in a very easy to use interface, right? But, but it's not it's not open AI 100%, right? It's on the back end and the front mm-hmm. end is different. So yeah, I would, I would say that, um, that multimodality is definitely in our future, especially if we think about AI being the brain, the brain could be in anybody. Right. Like literally it could be at a kiosk, it could be at ATM, it could be in a computer, it could be on a laptop, it could be on a phone, it could even be on your watch. Right. So like, yeah, yeah it's everywhere. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, there's more. I guess there is, you know, because you can on the watch, you can you can type in, you can talk. So, yeah, I, I didn't even think about that, you know, and mm-hmm. and how this has probably already been in our lives for a very long time. Yeah, I could ask you like 50 quali- uh, follow up questions just on that response alone. But uh, Woozy actually has a great uh, question here. So thank you for joining Woozy. Uh, he says, love the topic. Spend a lot of time thinking about UI and the user experience with AI in the future. My question would be, what would you want your UI experience to be ideally on the internet going forward? Great question. Yeah, accessible. <laughs> you know, there's so many things that aren't accessible. How do blind people use ChatGPT now? That's what I want to know. And I bet anything there are people because I have a lot of friends that are like in tech. They're not going to stay behind. They'll figure it out. But what if they didn't have to, right? So I guess what would be, would you want an experience? I think I would want it to be equitable. I would want something that can be shared and, and easily shared with any type of person, with any type of anything, right? Um, right now, it's one dimension. I feel like that's the, the internet. It's one dimension. But really, with AI, you're kind of flipping it on its head, and it's like, well, it is, but what if the internet was just different, right? Like, the internet can exist anywhere. 
as long as you have internet connectivity, right? So I kind of envision it as like, um, I envision it everywhere. That's my vision for the future. It would be everywhere, like IoT, Internet of Things and all that. But at the same time, safeguarding information, because that's what's important to me. What a lot of people miss when they product design is they think, oh, let's add all this information, get all this user data. It's like, no, no, we're not meta. Like, let's like keep our, like, yeah, let's be respectful to the user. So I think that's the only caveat I would have. It's like, I get my, you know, my privacy respected and that I'm allowed to not have everything tracked because mm -hmm. with AI, you can have everything tracked and I rather not. Right. So that's, that's, that's where. That's a good point. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's almost like the more AI is involved in our lives and everywhere, it's almost like the less sensitive or the less cognizant we become with, with our data, right? Like it's, it's, yeah. it's like before it's like, all right, you know, Google search, do I allow to have location? Yes or no. But what about when I'm using four or five, 18 different AI, you know, softwares and systems, it's like you lose track, right? You kind of become immune. So that's, that's another problem we have to be cognizant of. Cause I think if you grew up in an age where you had a computer, not an issue, you're like, that's life. <laughs> like I'm used to being tracked. I did not. I grew up with a Tandy right so I'm like you know what no 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 I remember when I used to be private that's why part of the reason I hide my face is that I don't want people to know me unless you know me yeah. right and the same thing with my dad I want a company to know me through my actions and me buying products not through like marketing and like tracking me through all these different websites right it's okay to track me if I know it but just don't track me if I don't which there's yeah. a lot of opaqueness around that so I would say data is a huge consideration with AI yeah it's probably one of the most, it, it is, it is strange, the, uh, the uh, polarity of that, because it's one of the most important things. And it's the thing that mm -hmm. probably the end user thinks the least about. Uh, another, another good question here, uh, Dr. Mathana, thank you for this. So he said, um, wanting to get your feedback on this. So uh, on the chat interfaces of ChatGPT, Bing, Bard, Cloud, Meta, all of these, he said, they all have the same chat text base interface. And then he's asking, is that the end all for generative AI or what other interfaces can we imagine for interacting with generative AI applications? Hey, this is Jordan, the host of Everyday AI. I've spent more than a thousand hours inside ChatGPT and I'm sharing all of my secrets in our free prime prompt polish ChatGPT course that's only available to loyal listeners like you. Here's what Lindy, who works as an educational consultant, said about the PPP course. I couldn't figure out why I wasn't getting the results from ChatGPT that I needed and wanted. And after taking the PPP course, I now realized that I was not priming correctly. So I will be heading back into ChatGPT right now to practice my priming, prompting, and polishing. Everyone's prompting wrong, and the PPP course fixes that. If you want access, go to podppp.com. Again, that's podppp.com. Sign up for the free course and start putting ChatGPT to work for you. Such a good question. Uh, we can get crazy here. Like if it was up, like I have a couple of patents on the way, right? That don't involve any type of interface. It's zero UI. So what does that, imp that, what does that imply? It implies either it's hand motions, it's facial recognition, it's sediment analysis, right? I'm not gonna say what the patent's on. I will tell you that it's zero UI, right? <laughs> so, so imagine being able to communicate with the system. And, and this is where accessibility comes in, mm -hmm. right? 
I currently, if I have an assistive device, like there's people that can't move their arms, they can't do whatever. They have like a pointer on their forehead that they have to go one by one and, and use their forehead to point at stuff, right? Mm -hmm. What if I made that input easier? What if it's like based on blinks or based on like, like you could use Morse code nowadays, right? You could go, doo, 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 you know, like mm -hmm. there's different ways of inputting. So I would say that um, they're probably limited by like the immediacy of having to put something out there. And the easiest thing to put out there is text, right? That doesn't mean they're not working behind the scenes to be multimodal. I imagine a lot of them are, right? I'm imagining like chat, um, Bard for sure, for sure. Chat GPT looks like they're working on it. Um, you know, and then Meta, I mean, I'm surprised like they, they haven't had something already, but I'm pretty sure they have to, right? And multimodal can be as simple as like sign language, right? Like nowadays, you know, AI can read sign language almost effortlessly because of all the, you know, information that they have out there that they can gather in real time about how people sign and the different variations of it. So yeah, I would say that um, I think the future is multimodal. It's like we just haven't seen under the hood yet, right? Because it takes forever to launch something like that. Yeah. You, you know, uh, yeah, you've had so many, so many great insights, but I'm curious. Um, and we kind of just started to talk about, uh, the future of, of, of generative AI, um, and, and kind of the user interface, but what are you even personally most excited about, you, you know, when it comes to, um, you, you know, UI UX designing these, these generative, um, or, or maybe something you're excited about on the back end as, as, as a user, but, you know, with all these developments and all of these, um, new ways and in more accessible ways that generative AI can happen in our daily lives, what, what gets you excited about it? So much. Uh, I would tell you the news you just announced made me excited because we need to have more competition in the chip space because that's mm -hmm. keeping price up right right now. I think, I think Nvidia got rated. No, I think I heard it from you actually. That, yeah, like, they got in, in France, France. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that that was interesting because like I'm actually a big Nvidia fan. I have some stock in it, Name. so I'm like, yay. <laughs> but at the same time, though, I'm like, well, we do need competition, right? Like Apple already kind of figured it out. Like we have to make our own chips, so in order to compete, or else we're going to be laggards. And if priority is given to certain companies for certain chips, you're already not democratizing the creation, right? So I think I'm excited actually for the back end stuff. Right, more than the front end, because the front end I feel always has to catch up to what the back end can do. Right, we're limited. Like as a designer, I'm limited to what my devs can say they can do. Right, the cool thing is when you work with really awesome developers, they don't care. They're like, I'll try, <laughs> you know, and that's how you get innovation. Right, but there's a lot of negotiation. So I would say I'm excited about the back ends. I'm excited about like bringing this technology to the common folk. I think that's why it's super important to to start being curious now, because if you want to get into product design, you can do it. Just get into it. Just start doing it. Start volunteering. Do something where you're like practical experience. There's a lot of theoretical applied, you know, non-applied people that are like, oh, this is what AI is. But like start doing AI, like start either doing gen, gen AI, like how you do it and you like do prompts and become a prompt engineer or like start thinking about how you can simplify those prompts, which, by the way, that's part of my job, Jordan. Right. Like in my world. I wouldn't need a sophisticated prompt engineer. It should be easy mm. for anyone to use. Mm. But these tools are so complex that you need to specialize in prompting just to be able to do like the output you want. But in theory, if you have a good designer, you could like tune for it. You can make sure to customize it. So, Cause that's the thing I do. I do copy all day. Mm. I do machine learning training all day. Like part of my job is designing, but the other part is negotiating. The other part is actually writing and saying, okay, this is how the machine learning is going to be trained. 
So I do a lot of the machine learning training with copy and different utterances. And I mean, I could go on and on about that, but I don't want to bore you guys. I just want to say that I'm, I'm excited about the backend stuff, like super excited because the more we can like bring that up to the surface, bring it up to the common folk, then all of a sudden anybody could be anything, right? Like that's why I love, that's why I love AI, technology, computer, internet, because it's like the first field where you don't have to go to school to do it. You just have to like pay attention and yeah. take notes. Yeah, you know, be, and be willing to learn, right? That's that's yes. another big one always. Uh, great, great question here from uh, Fatma saying, uh, "How are you limited as a designer, and in whether you want to yeah. take it personally or just designers in general?" But what are those limitations? I'll take it personally. Uh, I'm limited by our the people on the team, right? In terms of like, okay, what can we do collectively? And that's not a bad thing. I mean, the thing is you have to be able to like create together. So whatever you create is the best version of we could possibly create together. That's what I've learned through creation, right? There's some people that I can create really cool stuff with. So when I don't work with them, it, that's a limitation. But I would say like in general, uh, you're, you're only as strong as your weakest link, right? And I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean that in the, all right, if, if as a group you can't succeed, then that tells you something about the group. But if you can create and just do stuff, it's fine. Like, I think like, um, I never take things personally that I launch. I always see them as version one or MVP. It's always gonna get better, right? So I'm not limited by like, oh yeah, it sucks right now. Yeah, it sucks right now, but that's fine. It'll get better, right? I'm more limited about like how far those iterations can happen. Because if we put something out and it's crap and we're not intending on changing it, that's a huge limitation on me. I'm like, oh no, <laughs> like, we need to update. <laughs> we need to make this better. We need to integrate user feedback and optimize, right? Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, also, I'm, I'm limited by regulation. I think that's another point I'd like to make that sometimes that we'd like to do really cool stuff, but right, like really, some some rules are smart, some rules are not smart. Mm -hmm. So having to deal with the non-smart rules of regulations sometimes hurts the users more than helps. So it's almost like how do I circumvent that and actually provide value? Right. So that's wow. how I'm limited. Yeah. It's, it's, it's funny because, uh, sometimes, <laughs> you know, hearing your response to that, it's almost like the limitations are actually the things that in theory are supposed to be safeguarding or supporting you. But I guess that makes sense. Right. Uh, but yeah. I, you know, what? I actually have a kind of a, a, I want your personal take on this because I was actually thinking about this the other day that, um, it's, it seems like, at least for me, it, like if, if we're talking large language models, um, it seems like the best ones in, in in terms of quality of the large language models, at least for me personally, have the worst user interface or the or the worst user <laughs> yeah. experience. So I'm I'm curious of of the, all the you know kind of you know quote unquote popular generative AI tools out there. What are some of your favorites in in, in terms of you know the user experience or the design, and maybe which ones need a little need a little love? You know what I think they all need a little love, but only because they require like awesome prompt engineering. Mm -hmm. So that would be my one thing. Like, don't make it so hard that you have all these parameters or whatever. Like you should be able to use slots and be able to like, you should be able to do it in a different way, right? Now this is a the thing, their power, the LLMs are so powerful that, that right now that's the only way you can do it, right? So I'm not gonna judge anyone. I'm gonna be like, okay, in general, we'd we need to make it more accessible to humans, right? Cause not everybody, cause that's the thing, you have to be a certain type of person to be a prompt engineer. That's what I, I've got a prompt engineer. I'm not, and I'm like in the field, right? So that tells you a lot. Um, I have ADHD, which means I have a short attention span, which means I have to be quick. I have to do this, I have to do that, right? So like being able to address that type of cognitive issue 
in like design upfront with prompting and being able to control the machine and what it outputs. I think that's number one. And that's just in general, not a, not a diss on anybody, just like in general, if we can make it easier so that I'm not doing all these parameters or doing this just to get this specific result, let's make it easy. That's where multi-interfaces come in. Give people ideas, give people like different ways of inputting it. The other thing is I think I'd like to give credit to Midjourney because it looks like they have really cool ways of like making slight edits to an image that other people don't have yet, like the lasso tool or whatever. And and keep in mind, I wouldn't know about this if it wasn't for your show because I'm not, I'm like too busy creating a tool than to look at other tools. So like this type of show is helpful for me because I'm like, oh yeah, like I'm a noob. Like, I don't know this, but this is cool, right? So, like, I will tell you, there's a lot of cool stuff. I mean, I have to give props. It's almost like what you mentioned. The bigger the LLM, the crappier, more, like, condensed or more like whatever the UI is. But that's fine. That's Mm -hmm. fine because we know where their focus is. The focus should be on the LLM because, by the way, that's the back end, right? Anybody can do the front end. So I'm having friends actually do amazing front ends. Like, there's this one... (laughs) Peter, I'll probably tag him afterwards. He has fluid memory. He's a founder for one of, I think I'm going to told you. Yeah, you, yeah, we told yeah. You know, Peter. <laughs> so you know that fluid memory is using like, you know, chat GPT four, I believe as the back end, right? But the fate, like the interface is beautiful. You're able to tag stuff. You're able to like snippet stuff. You're able to organize information in such a way that like, you know, it brings it up organically. So yeah, no, I would say that like what big tools are missing, the little guys in the industry are compensating for. Right. So that's what I'm excited for, like seeing what the little the little guys, the non open AI people are looking at, because they're using that back end technology to really create awesome interfaces. Mm. Uh, you know, Yeti, we've been literally all over the place. We've covered so yeah. much ground in this episode from, you know, what, you know, UI UX designers even do to some of the implications and outside factors limiting the future of design accessibility, so many things. But I want to end with this. You know, if, if, if you've caught someone's attention, um, you know, whether they are an aspiring UI UX designer, or maybe even someone who is now understanding for the first time, what goes into all of these, um, you know, systems that they use and, 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 you know, all of the, uh, the care and and the work that goes in, but what is your kind of one takeaway message or maybe piece of advice for people just about the accessibility and making better, um, experiences within gen AI? Um, care, right? Just care, just care about people, care about yourself. I mean, selfishly, I started in this field so I could create products for when I grew old. I was a cat, cat lady, Jordan. I was like, I'm going to grow alone. I need to make sure I have like robotics taking care of me. And then it shifted once I had a son to like, oh, a a son with special needs Mm -hmm. that may or may not need help all his life to like, oh, shoot, I need to create something that he can use. Right. So, so it became from a selfish endeavor to caring to like, oh, I want to create something that doesn't exist that should exist because we need a more equitable world. And I think that's what people are missing with AI. We can actually level the field in so many different ways. We can democratize uh, education, right? Before we didn't have education available, like the internet made that feasible, but imagine AI, right? So I think that's what, that's what I see, right? Like just, just care and, and put humans first. And figure out everything else will fall into place once you figure that out. Wow. Such, you know, I didn't know that this morning when we started this show that I was going to leave feeling inspired about about the future (laughs) of, of, you know, user interface and user experience, right? Because when you just look at it, 
it's not, you know, it's not something you think, all right, I'm going to walk away from this uh, inspired. But, but Yaddy, I think you did that uh, today. I think you opened our eyes to um, the importance of accessibility in uh, UI, UX design and AI systems. Wow. Fantastic. Uh, Yaddy, thank you so much for joining the Everyday AI Show. Super appreciate it. Oh, man, I'm so honored. Uh, thank you so much. Yeah, this is a, I hate to say it, a dream. <laughs> a dream come true. No, you're an awesome guy, Jordan. Thank you for having me. No, absolutely, absolutely. And this was, and I don't say this often, this one was a masterclass. We covered so much. So if you didn't catch it all, maybe you're driving or walking your dog. Some people say they listen to the show when they're like on the Peloton or bike. Good on you, but you know, make sure you go sign up for the free daily newsletter. We recap it all. So, you know, there's so many great insights in there. We're going to break down what it all means and how you can put it to use for you. So Yaddy, thank you again for joining us. Thank you all for joining us. And we hope to see you back for another episode of Everyday AI. Thanks y'all. Thank you. That's a wrap for today's edition of Everyday AI. Thanks for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave us a rating. It helps keep us going. For a little more AI magic, visit youreverydayai.com and sign up to our daily newsletter so you don't get left behind. Go break some barriers and we'll see you next time.